Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lake Point Church. Would you stand up and sing with us? We're so glad that you're here. church song, okay? That's what that's for. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors. When you walked in, you might have noticed that we have uh, connection cards, sermon notes for you to go through, but we are so, so very glad that you're here. If there's any way we can be a blessing to you, we want to do that. We do want to keep worshiping today. I don't know what your week has been like, but if it's been like all the other weeks for all the weeks that have been going forever and over, 
We are here to bust that funk. We want to help you shake that off a little bit. All right, so we hope that you're encouraged there. I'm going to pray, and then we are going to continue singing. Jesus, you are so good. We want to be closer to you. We trust you. We love you, and we want to lift up your name. And it's in that name we pray together. Amen. Peace. 
This next song is the one where we, we channel our inner southern rock. That's why the denim jacket today, okay? So you got to get into it. Oof. That bass drum kicks in. Come on. That's good. Yeah, I've searched the world. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along, put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied.
know, everything that we do here is about trying to help us to understand the great perspective shift of when you realize that no matter what is happening in your life, it is temporary because your life is short and temporary and our God's gospel goes on forever. So we ask him, will you take the broken parts and make it match your story? All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy
scriptures. We ask you that you'd be with our pastor this morning. Would you bless his heart today? Uh, help him to communicate with clarity and with passion. But, oh, Father, would you speak to your people today? Uh, humble our hearts. Help us to connect with you today, that we would be on your pulse today, that, uh, that we would receive your will for your life today, and that we would fall into that, into your story. We love you. We trust you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hi, hey, good morning. We're so glad that you're here today, and I welcome to Late Point. If this is your first time here, thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, if you can, you might find a card around you that's a connection card, and uh, it looks like this. Pull it up here. Look like this here. If you can get one of those, uh, if it's your first time, let us know about your visit today. Uh, if you're a regular attender, at least put your name on the list, on the paper, on the front, and then maybe there's some action steps on the back and uh, some prayer requests or something that you want to put down, and uh, that would be awesome. And uh, there's some other things on the back as well. And then at the end of the service, you can drop it. Uh, in the offering basket around the building, or if you're a first-time guest, you can just give it to me. I'd love to meet you after the service. Got a free gift that we'd like to give you. Uh, thank you for coming and the worship with us this morning. And uh, so we are in, um, uh, we're just delighted that you're here. Uh, before we jump into the message, just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our worship leaders. Um, They've been, uh, been absent for a while, and there's a reason for that. Uh, she's uh, 15? 15 or 16 now? 16. 15. 15. Okay, all right. She's 15. Am I right? All right. It's 16. All right, there we go. 16. Now, my hearing's not so well today, but anyway, is it ever well? Anyway, listen, Rachel Mack, that's what we're going to call you. Rachel Mack is, is on The Voice this season, The Voice. Yeah. Uh, it starts tomorrow night, so I, I don't know if she'll be on tomorrow night or not, and, uh, uh, you know, but listen, it could be awesome, and you got to check in, and uh, Rachel Mack is in the house, so we're glad to have her here, so good job, we're praying for you, that God will use you uh, as a platform uh, in incredible ways to glorify God, and our church is behind you, so we're, we're proud of you. Anyway, uh, we're in a series called Experiencing God, Experiencing God. And um, we're talking about what it means to discover, you know, do, knowing and discovering and doing God's will. So discovering and doing God's will for your life and my life. And, uh, and so far in this series, we've been exploring on how we can know God's will. Now today, we start to pivot. And uh, I want you to see the diagram behind me. You kind of see where we've been, but we're going to kind of pivot You'll see number one, that the first biblical truth is that God is at work all around us. He's constantly at work around me. And then we said that number two, that God is pursuing a relationship, and you've got to have that relationship with him as part of knowing the will of God for your life. And then number three is that there's an invitation from God to join him in his work, to join him in his activity. He wants you to be in on what he's doing. So he's working, but he doesn't want to do it alone. He wants to invite you to be a part of it. And then number four we talked about last week, we talk about the different ways 
that God is speaking to us so that as we hear God's invitation, we're hearing a clear call to what he wants to do in our lives and what he's inviting us to do in his life and in his will. And so, and now we're going to pivot. See, the first four realities, it's all about the knowing, all right? And so if you see on your handout, you see, you see that diagram, you'll see two blanks on both sides of the handout. And on the left-hand side, that's where you put the knowing down. And, and it's all about knowing. The first four realities, it's about knowing God's will. And now, reality number five, six, and seven, it's all about the doing part. All right, so we come to a pivot. You know, you can't do the will of God if you don't know the will of God. So that's why we talk about that for the first four weeks. And now we're talking about the next couple of weeks, the doing you know, acting out on what God has called us to do. And so knowing and doing God's will, that's what experiencing God is all about. Now, the fifth reality is today, and if we notice on your handout, you'll see on the screen behind me, is that God's invitation for you to work with him, it always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires both faith and action. And that's the reality, truth, number five, crisis of belief, crisis of belief. When I was, uh, and I've told this story before, but um, uh, when I was in college, uh, about three or four of us buddies, in fact, we're still close, um, even to this day. We still, we touch each other almost every day. And um, us four, we decided uh, to go out to eat on a Friday night. And, and in the South, you go to the best barbecue place you can go on a Friday night. Okay, that's how you roll. And, um, and some of the places had all-you-can-eat rib. And it's the best meal you can get, all right? All-you-can-eat ribs. And, and so we go to a barbecue place. And uh, in fact, one of my friends, he's, he spoke here before. His name is Tim Payne. And uh, we're at the table, and we're just having a great time. We're telling stories. We're making each other laugh. Have you ever just laughed so hard that you begin to cry a little? I mean, it's a good laugh. I mean, you just, you know, you just can't control yourself. It's, it's, it's taking everything out of you. And, and we were telling one of those stories. Someone was telling a story, and I'm in the middle of swallowing a piece of rib. And I got it down my gullet. And in the middle of that Story, it come to a, in the middle of that swallow, it come to a real good laughing point where I start to cry laugh. You know, one of those intense laughing moments. And, and I'm starting laughing. I got the piece of meat down my gullet and it reverses course because my body didn't know what to do with it. So it's reversing course and going up and now it's stuck. And, and so here I am, I'm already crying from laughing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, I'm crying, I'm choking. And I'm dying all at the same time. <laughs> it's a wonderful experience. You should try it sometime. <laughs> uh, so, you know, at first nobody picked up on it, you know. But, you know, my laughing is it, like a silent laugh. Because, you know, when you're choking, nothing's coming out, you know. And, uh, and, and I'm turning a little red. And, and, and so one of my friends, uh, you know, they noticed something's weird. And I put my arm up here, you know. This is like, hey, man, you know, something's wrong here. I need help. And, and, and Tim was like, Scott. Are you joking? Yeah, yeah. I said, okay. All right, all right, all right. He said, and he's freaking out. The other two guys, they're just paralyzed. 
They don't know what to do, all right? They're like, you know, everyone stopped laughing, you know, and here I am. I, I stand up, and, and Tim gets around behind me, and uh, he's going to give me the, the Heimlich. Now, mind you, we've never done the Heimlich. We've heard about the Heimlich, okay? I mean, you go to first aid class, to talk about the Heimlich, but you've never done the Heimlich, all right? And so here, here, Tim, he gets behind me, and I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to, man, we got to get this thing out of here because I'm, I, this is not going well. I'm, I'm beginning to see the lights, you know? And the light, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm hearing Jesus' voice. And, uh, and I'm like, all right, come on. And, uh, and so Tim, you know, he gets right behind me, and, and I'm ready, okay, let's go. I got my eyes closed, I'm ready, and nothing happens. I look down, Tim's not around me no more. He's not hugging me. I turn around, Tim is gone. He had a crisis of belief. It was a bad time to have a crisis of belief. I'm like, what is happening here? I, what, what's going on? And in the corner of my eyes, I see Tim running across the restaurant, and, and there were a couple of police officers on the other side. And so he runs over there and says, hey, my friend's choking. My friend's choking. And so these two guys, they, you, know, you know, they bust their way over to the other side. You know, and the one police officer, he gets around me. And, uh, not, you know, you know he's done it before, I'm sure. And so he gets there, gently squeeze, a nice little squeeze. You know, probably been better. Tim probably would have just, you know, knocked me out, you know. And uh, so he just kind of nice and squeezed. And that piece of meat slowly traveled back into my mouth. And because I was taught to never waste a good piece of meat. <laughs> That's right. I chewed it up and finished it off. Man, was good. And I look, at the, I look at the cop, and I'm crying, you know. And I got a smile on my face and say, man, that's good. <laughs> I sit back down, my three friends, they're still they're, they're, they're shaking, you know. And I'm just like back to eat, you know. Hey, let's go. Hey, bring more ribs, you know. Keep it coming. A crisis of belief, my friend, had a crisis. And today, I want to talk to you about your crisis of belief. You see, we have this idea, if you're doing reality, truth, number one, two, three, and four, and the discovering and knowing God's will, uh, we have this idea of what God wants us to do. We know that God is asking us to do this thing, but we're afraid. We get nervous. It's like Tim. He, said, he gets around, and then he gets afraid that he can mess up. And, and, and so we can't do it. It's called crisis of belief. And whenever we face one of those crises of belief in our, in our life, this is, it's a test of our faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse, uh, verse 6. The Bible says that it's impossible without faith. It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. And why do you have to have faith? Because when you discover God's will, you're going to find that, that God is always and always going to ask you to do something that's a little bit beyond your comfort zone. In fact, it could be a little scary. It could be a little uncomfortable at times as we discover God's will. And I know for a fact that some of you are here today and you're facing a crisis of belief in your own life. God is showing you his will. He's showing you what he's doing. He's calling you. He's inviting you into his work. And, 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 and you're, you're afraid. You're afraid. You, you don't know what to do. 
Maybe, maybe it's asking you to quit your job and to pursue a different career or to do something new. Maybe God is asking you to change your major in college. Maybe he's asking you to get out of a relationship that you're in right now and to trust him, to trust him that he'll bring something better. Maybe you're going through a hard time in your marriage and, and he's asking you to trust him that he's going to make your marriage better. Uh, maybe he's asking you to talk with a coworker about him or to invite him to church. Maybe God is asking you to go into ministry. And you feel that God is calling you into ministry and he's asking you, maybe that's where your crisis of belief is. No matter what it is, no matter how big, no matter how small, discovering God's will will always lead to a crisis of belief to some degree. And here's why that happens. Here's why it leads to a crisis of belief. Uh, three quick thoughts if you want to take these notes in your handout. Uh, God's plan, number one, is seldom what I initially want. Because we have our own plans, right? And God comes along, here's my plan. It's like, oh man, but I, I have never thought about that. That's not really what I was thinking about I would ever do. And so it leads to a crisis of belief. Number two, God's plan is always more than I can do alone. It's overwhelming. By the way, God's never going to ask you to do something that you could easily accomplish on your own. Then that's not faith. It's not a crisis of belief if you can do it easily. You know, but God always pushes us out of, uh, out of our comfort zone. It always makes us uncomfortable. But number three, and here's the good news, is that God's plan, God's will, never, is never more than I can do with him. See, when God asks you to do something, it's always more than you can do on your own, but it's never more than you can do with him. And here's why. God wants you to learn to trust him more, to rely on him, to trust yourself a little less and to trust him a whole lot more. And so today I want to talk about how when we're in these crisis of belief, in these moments, how do we respond in a godly way? How do we, how do we navigate the crisis of belief? Because I promise you, we all go through it all the time. We go through the crisis of, of our faith. And so four things today, I hope this will help you as we respond to a crisis of belief in our life. Number one, we need to wrestle with God in prayer. Wrestle. WWF wrestling, right? We got to wrestle with God in prayer. You see, when the first thing you do in the middle of a crisis, always, is to go to God. Oftentimes, what we do, we run away. We try to ignore it. We try to turn off, we try to do what I do sometimes. I just turn off my hearing aids and just not listen. I say, nope, I'm not listening. But we should always, in a crisis of belief, the first thing we do should always turn to God and we should wrestle with him in prayer. We should trust him and share with him and talk to him about our fears, doubts, our frustrations. Wrestle with God. In fact, we saw this a few weeks ago. I want to look at it again in case you missed it. But God met Moses in a burning, at the burning bush, right? And, and out of nowhere, and, and we see this story, God invited Moses to join him in his plan to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. 
And, and, and God was asking Moses, he was asking him to put his life on the line. Moses' life was about to get a whole lot harder than taking care of a bunch of little sheep on the backside of the desert in the mountain. And so we see that Moses is having a crisis of belief. Look at his response to God. Chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses, he protested to God. You see, God said, hey, Moses, I, I want you to come help me rescue the people of Israel from Egypt. And Moses did not respond, that's right, let's get it done, you know. Yeah, that's right, I'm all about it. He didn't do that. He pushed back, protected. Uh-uh. Look what he said. He said, he said who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Uh, who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? See, what's happening is that Moses, he knows what God wants him to do, but he doesn't want to do it. He knows that what God has called him to do is not safe, it's dangerous, it's going to be hard. There's a 100% chance of a massive giant headache what he's about to do. He knows it. In fact, Moses had doubts. And he wrestled with God for two chapters. For two chapters, but he does the right thing. Instead of running away from God, he's wrestling with God in prayer, in conversation with God. And in that wrestling, in those two chapters, chapter 3 and chapter 4, God began to change his heart. He calms Moses' fears. He prepares him for the job that he had for him. And God will do that for you. Because right now, God is inviting you to do something, to be a part of his activity. And it may not be what you want to do. And it may feel like it's too big for you to accomplish on your own. Perhaps you're scared. You're discouraged. You're frustrated. You're nervous. And when that happens, what you should do, the first thing you do is go to God. Wrestle with him about it in prayer. In fact, you can argue with God about it. You see this throughout the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament. You kind of see it for Jeremiah a little bit. I mean, you just kind of see, man, God, you just kind of, there's an intense conversation that he would have with God. You argue with him about it. Because in the wrestling, though, when you're wrestling with God, that God begins to grow your faith and it begins to align your heart with his heart. See, prayer is not primarily a tool in which you bend God's will to your will. See, prayer, prayer is all about bending our will to God's will. Every time. That's why the Lord's prayer, not my will, but, uh, uh, you know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will, your will be done, not my will. That's why when Jesus prayed, you know, uh, not my will to be done, but yours to be done. I want to follow that for you. Uh, God, I want to bend your will to my will. I want, I want to bend my will to you. I want to, I want to go after you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a tool with God being our will to match his. And so that's the first response to a crisis of belief. Go to him in prayer. Wrestle with God in prayer. Number two, it's the second response. We've got to believe that God will be faithful. We've got to believe that God will be faithful. 
The Apostle Paul, he wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. Whatever it is that you're afraid of, whatever it is that he promised you, whatever it is asking you to do, the first says that God will make it happen. That God will be faithful to carry it out. And if he calls you to do it, you've got to trust him. You've got to believe that he will. And the question is for you this morning, do you believe that God can? Do you believe that God is able? Uh, in Mark chapter 9, uh, it tells a story about a father who had a son who had a demonic spirit. And, uh, and this poor man, this poor father, loved his son so much, he would do anything to help his son. And, and you heard about the miracle worker, Jesus, and, and he goes to find Jesus. He couldn't find him, but he found his disciples. The disciples are like, hey, we're Jesus' right-hand man. We can do this. And so they tried to cast the demon out of this man's son, and they couldn't do it. And they were kind of getting a little frustrated, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. He asked the disciples, he said, hey, what's going on? The disciples said, well, this man brought his, brought his son to be healed, and we can't heal him. It's just too big. And Jesus responded, well, why don't you believe? Why, why do you have so little faith? And about that time in the conversation, the father kind of cuts in because he's desperate. And he said here in verse number 23, he said to Jesus, he kind of cuts in in the middle of the conversation. He said, Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity on me. Take pity on my son and help us. And I love that. If you can do anything. And I love how Jesus responded. He said, if I can do anything, I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. Of course I can do anything. He said, everything is possible for one who believes. And he said that to the father, and the, this father, the poor father, who, who loved his son uh, so much, who wants to believe, but he's riddled with doubt. He's riddled with doubt, but he responds to Jesus in his next verse, and, 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 and this and to me, this is a prayer that I find myself praying all the time in the middle of my own personal doubt. Look at this prayer the Father prays. The desperate, the desperate father, he prays in verse 24. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, isn't that a great prayer? I mean, he says to Jesus, I do believe. But Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. You know those doubts are there. And Jesus, he took that uncertain belief, right? He took that uncertain belief that was mixed with doubt. And he came through and healed the man's son. Have you ever been where this father was? Have you ever been where you say, God, I, I, I know what you're asking me to do, but I'm afraid. I have my doubt. I'm afraid I'll do this and I'll fail. I'm afraid that this is beyond me and that you won't be able to be there for me. I'm afraid that this won't happen. But God, I really, really want to believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Take my small faith and make it big. Help my unbelief. God, I know you told me to change my job and to pursue my dreams. 
I'm afraid I may not make ends meet, but God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. God, I know you want my marriage to work, but I just don't know that we can get past this. God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. God, I know you said in your word that you want the best for me, but we just had a third miscarriage. God, I want to believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. God, I said, I, you, you said that you always be there for me. For all my friends, left and right, to get married, I'm still single and alone. But God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when you pray that prayer, God, he will meet you where you are. He will grow your faith. He will grow your trust. In him. By the way, you don't have to have perfect faith to see a miracle. In fact, if you're taking notes, you don't have to have giant faith for a breakthrough. You just need a little faith. Jesus talks about having faith as a seed of a, like the seed of a mustard plant, of a mustard tree. Of course, we don't have mustard trees in, in our area, in our region, in our country, but a mustard tree is, is very, uh, all over the, the Middle East. Big giant trees, but a little seed is very small. See, we just have to have faith. Have the seed of a mustard seed, God will grow your faith. And he will grow your faith if you just give your seed, your faith, the little faith that you have, and give it to him. So a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. You're going to wrestle with God in prayer. You know, you're going to talk to God about it. You're going to wrestle with him. You're going to pray with him and talk to him. And then you're going to believe. At the end of the day, you're going to believe that God will be faithful and he will carry you through. Which leads to a third godly response. And number three, we need to hold my plans loosely. Hold your plans loosely. You see, in the middle of the crisis of belief, when God is inviting you to, into his plan, and God wants to, to do something, and we're afraid, we need to hold tightly to our faith, but hold loosely to our plans. For sure, you're not going to hear from me today that we should not make plans. We should make plans. I'm a planner. I like to plan. But we always need to be ready in case God wants to change your plan into something different. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord, he establishes their steps. Again, nothing wrong about making plans. But the Bible said, Proverbs said that we can make our plans. But it's the Lord that determines our step. It's the Lord that determines our future. And one of the biggest temptations in the middle of, the, uh, of a crisis of belief, one of the biggest temptations that you and I will face, is when God is asking you to do something, when God says, here's my will for your life, here's what I want you to do, 
What about temptation? Is that during that crisis of belief, that we begin to look at our dream that we worked so hard for, our plans that we've worked hard for, and we want to hold them tightly. That we're not willing to let them go. We're not willing to let them go. And we need to understand that God's dreams are far bigger than your dreams. His plans are bigger in scope than you and I could ever imagine. On your handout notes, here's the hard truth. You see on the screen behind me, holding your plans loosely, it means that you're willing to allow God to adjust, change, or replace your plans with his plans. Hey, question. Are you holding on to plans right now with a tight fist? Is this where you're at right now? And say, oh, but man, God, God wants me to do something, but no, I want this. And there's the tension that we're in the middle of in a crisis of belief because we're holding on to our plans. Are you holding on tightly to the plans, your plans? Plans that maybe not from God, plans that maybe conflict with what God wants for you. We just need to trust that God is faithful and say, well, God, you understand. I've worked hard for the plan. I went to college for the plan. I, I, I even got a, a, a master's and a doctorate for the plan. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> man, I'm not, re- I'm not ready to make that change. God's asking you to hold your plans loosely. Hold on to your faith tightly. But hold on to your plans loosely and trust that God is faithful. We need to trust his plans over our plans. Hold them loosely. Number four, here's the fourth response. We've got to act on what God has told me to do. So point number two is all about, hey, we believe that God is faithful. But faith takes your belief and put feet to it. It's one thing to believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe. It's another thing to act on your belief. That's faith. That's when you step out and say, okay, I'm going to believe, and I believe that God is faithful. Yes. But now, I'm going to go for it. You act on what you're told to do. So you see the progression, the four responses. You got to pray. You got to believe. Now hold your planets loosely. Then you got to act on it. Mark, I'm sorry, John chapter 9. Uh, it's just one of my favorite stories. It's, it's just kind of crazy. But John chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus, to talk about Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Uh, and of course, we see a lot of stories where Jesus healed blind people, uh, healed the lame. This is one of those stories. In fact, this is one of those stories that you should kind of read it and say, uh-huh, okay, cool story, and you just move on. We do that a lot of times. And a lot of times because we already know what the story does at the end. Well, we got a little bit of a, uh, like a little bit of a bias to the story. And so you read it and say, I've heard this story before. You read it and, and it just doesn't, you just don't really contemplate the story. And this is one of those stories. And if you really just kind of think through the story, you really kind of see the, whoa, this is some story. This is kind of crazy. Uh, so Jesus sees a blind man. Now, this blind man has been born blind. Now, 
spent a lot of time reading and uh, did a lot here in the chapter. Um, at first, you know, the disciples kind of point to Jesus and they have to have a conversation from religious people. There's a gathering of people around this blind man. And they actually had a theological debate about why this man is blind. You know, is it because his parents were sinners and he's blind? Is he being punished because of his parents' sin and all this kind of stuff? And, and you know, Jesus just wants to hear the man. You know, I just want to, you know, let's stop talking. Let's start doing, all right? Let's, do, let's get something done, all right? And, and so he said, you know what? I'm going to heal this man. And, and, and so this, this blind man, in fact, this blind man, when he was born blind, he thought he was going to be blind for life. And now he, this is his golden moment. This is awesome. He's like, man, I'm, I'm about to get healed. The miracle worker, the, the Jesus, he, he, he's going to heal my eyes. I'm going to see again. And, and, and so he probably, in fact, he probably heard about Jesus. He probably dreamed that maybe one day he passed the cross and said, this is it. Jesus is here. Now, I want you to help me out here. So, because this is how we don't, this is how we kind of skip over the story. Um, the best way to, to understand the story is to see the story from a blind man. All right? So be blind for a minute. Okay? Can y'all be blind? All right? All right, some of you are already blind, but, you know, just be blind, blind, okay? Close your eyes, all right? Just close your eyes. All right, you can't see nothing, all right? And that's how you've been your entire life. And, and you can feel the presence of Jesus in front of you. And you're like, man, this is my moment. I mean, you can't see it now. You've got goosebumps growing on your arms. This is awesome. Jesus is going to do something cool. Maybe he's going to touch my eyes. Maybe he's going to blow in my eyes. Just maybe he's just going to stay open and my eyes will be open. So your eyes are closed, right? I mean, this is your moment, right? You're like, woohoo, this is it. And you're standing there. You can't see Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, in this moment, there's a quietness. And everybody's watching. And this is what you see. Or this is what you hear because you can't see. It's what you hear. All right, so again, you're blind. It's like, oh, man, he's just got a little frog caught in his voice or something. <laughs> That's okay. All right, let's do this again. All right, Jesus, come on. Where's my miracle? All right, and all of a sudden you hear, all right, you can open your eyes for a minute because I just want you to understand this. The blind man can't see this, but Jesus is spitting in the dirt, making mud. Let me ask you a question. How much spit does it take to make mud? Okay, all right, so y'all with me on this. And so Jesus is spitting, making mud. The blind man's just like a little confused. What's happening? But then it gets a little worse, a little weirder here. Jesus scoops up the mud. Again, a blind man can't see a thing. All of a sudden, he feels slimy, saliva, gooey mud on his eyes. And this was got to save your spit. It's okay. I don't care if it's a savior spit or not. Spit is spit. <laughs> uh, it's just nasty. Uh, and, and so he put mud on his eyes. And then he Jesus looks at the, he tells the man, he said, I want you to go to the other side of town 
Let's just wash it out at the pool of Siloam. You see this right here, verse number six and seven. It said, after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the, I love what he said here, saliva, okay? And he put it in the man's eye. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And, and at that point, to me, this would be my crisis of belief. I was a blind man. I'd be like, you know what? I've got mud in my eyes. And you're asking me to do what now? You're asking me to go across town to a pool to wash it out? Can't just someone give me a cup of water right here? Can I just get a napkin? Can I just wipe it off right here and be done with it? I mean, what? I mean, you want me to do what now? And probably with me, I'd probably be a little frustrated. A little disturbed that I've got someone spit, cake, mud, made out of his saliva in my eyes, and I was just kind of, now I'm drooping down. Okay, and, and you want me to, uh, this guy right here, not only did he believe, he acted what God told him to do. Here's a crisis of belief, and he did what God, he walked across, he walked across the, the, the city to go to the pool of Siloam. Can you imagine the little children that would look to mom and dad and say, ew, mom, dad, look at that man. He got mud all over his face. He got mud all over his eyes. He's a weirdo. <laughs> you know, what's up with that? And mom and dad's like, shh, you know, don't be quiet. You know, that's not nice. Oh, man, you know, but he didn't care. I mean, at any point along the, on the way, he could have said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to take care of my own business and wash it off himself. And he would have missed the miracle. Walk across town with mud in his eyes. And see, listen, in a crisis of belief, there could be mud in your eyes. Maybe the past year, you've had mud in your eyes all year with the pandemic thing. You've had mud in your eyes. You've been like, man, I don't know why I'm going. I'm kind of bopping along. But I just know that I'm supposed to keep going. I'm headed to this direction, to the pool of Siloam, whatever that might be. Because I'm going to trust in God. I'm gonna, not only am I going to believe, I'm going to act on what he wants me to do. Even if I got mud in my eyes, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it don't make sense, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that the righteous shall live and walk by faith. The Bible says that we should walk not by sight, but by faith. You have mud in your eyes today? Are you walking around like, man, I don't know what's happening, but God, I'm going to act, I'm going to act out on what you told me to do. I'm going to trust you. Even when it doesn't make sense. Well, you have the faith that leads to action. To take what you believe and to act on it. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is God perhaps in this moment, maybe God is inviting you to get baptized. If so, act on it. Don't delay. I'm gonna do a baptism in May. May 23rd, down the back of your connection card. You know what? I'm gonna, I, that's my next step. I know Jesus. I have a relationship with him. But I want to go public with my faith. Act on it. If that's what God is calling you to do, act on it. 
Maybe, maybe perhaps I'm talking to someone here today. You don't know Jesus. You've been hearing about Jesus. You're starting to believe. You say, man, I don't have all the answers. That's okay. That is absolutely okay if you don't have all the answers. You say, but I want to start believing. Then act on it. Start acting on it. I love what Venice Havner said. Venice Havner is one of my favorite preachers. He said, I don't walk in the dark. And I don't try to understand everything about a light switch in order to turn it on. I just know one thing. If I flip it up, the light turns on. And I don't intend to sit in the darkness trying to figure it all out. I'm just going to act on it. I'm going to act on what I know. Act on it. Don't delay. Perhaps maybe God is inviting you to be a member of Lake Point Church and be a part of what God is doing here in the community. If so, act on it. Don't wait. Membership class. We call it Discover Late Point class. It's on April 18th. You can sign up on the back of your connection card. Say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a part of it. We do it during the third service. And then and it goes a little bit into the afternoon. We do lunch. But learn about how you can get connected and be involved and be on mission here at Late Point. Maybe it's something in a different way. God is telling you you need to make a change in a dating relationship. And if so, act on it. Do it. Don't wait. If God telling you, maybe God is telling you that he wants you to start giving in a systematic and proportionate way. If so, act on it. Start doing it. Don't wait. God is telling you that you need to make a change in direction when it comes to your career. And if he's doing that, don't wait. Don't delay. Act on it. Act on it. A crisis of belief. Mud in your eyes. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it may not be originally what you had planned or wanted, but how do you respond? Wrestle with God in prayer. You, you, you take it to him. You believe that he'll come through. You hold your plan loosely, and then you act on what you believe. You act on it. You just do it. I want to close with this passage of scripture, final thought. The Israelites are standing across from the beautiful land that God had promised them. It's on the other side of the Jordan River. They don't know much about the other side. In fact, they're a little scared about the other side. They're a little uncomfortable. But they decided that God was going to let them lead them through. But God gives them one last charge before they cross over. And this last charge to the Israelites, I believe, could be a charge for you in the middle of your crisis of belief. And I want you to claim this the charge, the challenge, uh, claim this promise, just like God gave it to the Israelites. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it said, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be terrified because of them. Why? For the Lord, your God, he goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. In other words, He'll never abandon you. And with mud on your eyes, he's leading the way. You just got to trust him and act in faith. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask you help us today. I don't know where you're speaking to today and who you're speaking to and how you're speaking to in a person's life. But I know there are a number of people here today that face a crisis of belief. They're facing it. They know what you want them to do, but they're having a challenge. It's been a challenge for them to take a step of faith and to do it. And so, God, I pray that we will respond in the way that you want us to respond and help us to accomplish what you want us to do in our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's been such an honor to have you here today. There's a couple of things that I want to mention. So because the, this service is one that can be a little more full, I want to encourage you to try something a little new. Um, if you've ever been to a church in America before, they all sit in the same pattern. Everybody except for you guys. You are not afraid. If you can sit up a little bit closer, and, and here's why. I, I'm so tired of talking about COVID, but if, if I'm visiting and I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, is it safe for me to come in? And then it's just like a sea of people in the back. And when we're all standing up and worship together, it can be like super intimidating. Uh, and if you can sit within like the first three rows somewhere, actually where Linda is right there, I'm just telling you sound wise, that's the best place in the whole room right there. So if you just want like the best music experience possible, I like go there. I'm serious though. If, if you're like, look at where you're at now and come up like one more row. Isn't that crazy? That'll actually make a difference and make somebody else feel a little bit more comfortable. So if you'd be willing to do that, that would be awesome. The other thing is, I don't know how you're doing on Instagram right now, but y'all, you've got to get the voice app and you've got to follow my friend Rachel Mack. you got to do it, okay? Because she is ridiculously talented and such a sweetheart and we want to support her. Uh, the same way that uh, we would be supporting you right now in your dreams as long as they're not super weird. So, <laughs> but I, I'm serious. Like we, we just want to do it because I, if you know her, you know that she is a light in your life. Uh, and and that's, that's what you mean to me, at least. So I love you very, very much. And we're proud of you. And you know what? She's going to do the best that she's going to do. But also, you're going to vote for her or else. Okay. I've sat in counseling with so many of you. I will out you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, anyways, no, we'd love you to do that. So I, I know this is like the only time you're going to hear it is like, y'all, just in the name, in the spirit, you should be watching NBC, okay? And uh, get on it. But um, honestly, if you need prayer this morning, if there's any way we can be blessing you, our prayer team members, they're going to be coming forward right now. Um, we're happy to uh, walk with you. These are the same folks who pray for our pastors. Um, and uh, we want to be there for you. So please come forward. We can be praying for you at all, be an encouragement to you at all. If you're a guest today, we want to give you free stuff. And our pastor hands it to you. So we don't want to take anything from you. We only want to give from you, uh, give to you. And meet him out at the blue wall. It's the bluest looking wall inside. Don't go outside because it's very cold. Uh, but please uh, stop by there, get a free bag. And uh, can we all stand up together and, and pray? Gosh, we love you so much. We pray for you all week long, and uh, we're in this with you. Please don't go through it alone. Please text us. Uh, if you ever need any of the links for anything that's going on here, if you text the word program, we'll send you everything. But if you text the word prayer, our prayer team and our staff, we will be praying for you. We take it so seriously this week because we believe that God moves when his kids start talking to him. God, we love you. We do trust you. We want to be closer to you. There's too many of us who are walking around with mud in our eyes and wondering if you're close. I just love it, Jesus, that you sent the blind man somewhere else. And then his best explanation for everything that just happened is I once was blind, but now I see. So would you please be an encouragement to the lost, to the broken, to the tired, the fatigued, and would you raise them up? Because we know that your promise is that you are close to the brokenhearted. It is in your name we pray in gratitude. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for watching online. We'll see you all next week.